Welcome to Keys to the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. There's a number of things that we could discuss and how we'll answer that call and see who that is. I hope that's someone for the session. I have no one monitoring. We'll see. Hello? Hey, Dad. Uh, you're on the air. <laughs> Can you call back at an hour after the show's over? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ask my a son, obviously, who's down in California, <laughs> uh, working. Actually, they're uh, on a church project uh, to help raise funds uh, by actually doing real work <laughs> and providing a service, much like Paul the Apostle. Uh, they're uh, producing uh, tents, uh, specifically yurts, um, and we'll be announcing more about that uh, later. They're also visiting other people that are a part of the network. Uh, they've been down there uh, in the Santa Barbara area for the last uh, at least 24 hours. They left quite a while ago. That's a long ways from here. But uh, we've been putting together a project for quite some time to produce uh, yurts and tents and other uh, products uh, from his church here in Summer Lake. Uh, it is lawful for us to work at any uh, uh, type of work that we need to work at to become self-supporting, and that is our intention, uh, not to depend upon other people. We could sure use donations, but... It's very important that the minister not be a burden to the people, especially in these times, because uh, we have gone so far from the kingdom, we are ill-prepared for the things that are com coming and ill-prepared for even living in the kingdom. People do not know how to live in the kingdom. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. That's a good segue into the uh, uh, program. Uh, why was Paul making tents? Well, of course, the reason why was to make a living. Uh, it is a strong possibility that Aquila and Priscilla were also ordained ministers of the church <coughs> because they, uh, uh, it is believed that they were in the upper room. They were part of the 120. Uh, there were 12 apostles. Uh, there were 120 names in the upper room. Uh, that's 10 uh, names per uh, apostle. Aquila and Priscilla, of course, that's two names, but actually they would be counted as one name, one family, because they were no more twain, they were one. And that's the way it was uh, done in those days. Uh, everybody in Judea considered themselves to be children of God, uh, but the Son of God would be the highest child of God, and therefore the rightful king. And once you understand the terminology of the time, how the language was used, you begin to realize that Jesus Christ was actually the king of a government. A uh, number of philosophies that have come down through uh, churchianity over the last uh, thousand years has suggested that somehow or other that Christ was not a king, even though right there in the Bible, these are the men who do contrary to the decrees of Caesar and say there is another king. Uh, everybody kind of skips over that and says, well, the Jews didn't accept Jesus, and so therefore he wasn't the king. But we know that thousands of Jews, thousands of citizens of Judea, accepted Jesus Christ as the king. We know that the Pharisees, who had set up another government contrary to the ways of Moses, had rejected Christ and said that anybody who got the baptism of Jesus Christ was cast out of the welfare system that was ministered through the temple and the synagogue the congregations of the people. Uh, that was because the synagogues and the congregations of the people that were operating through the Pharisees' government had already been baptized by the baptism of King Herod, because Herod was sending men out to baptize people into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God also. But his kingdom was you sign up for Social Security and uh, to the temple and... Uh, you had to pay in. There were scribes. That, that's literally the word for an accountant. You keep track. Those are your IRS agents of the day. Keep track of what you pay in and what you owe and how much you make because that's how they had the money to build this golden temple. 
which Christ knew was not the answer. That King David was never supposed to build the stone temple. That's why he put it off. Herod, I mean, uh, I meant to refer to Saul. Uh, or excuse me, I actually mean to refer to Solomon. <laughs> Solomon, who did build a stone temple, was breaking every rule in the book. And Rehoboam just took it one step farther. The temple of God is to be built by people according to the uh, ways of God, which is you are the living stones. You are the living altars of earth. Each family is an altar of earth. Each ordained minister of Christ's kingdom is an altar of stone. Now, who are those ordained ministers? You have to figure that out. Is it the guy down there in the local Baptist or Methodist or Assembly of God church? Are those the living stones of God's altar? Are they setting his table? Or every time you need some daily bread or assistance or, or uh, aid because of difficulties in your own life, do they help you out? Or do they send you to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other? Because Christ said it wasn't to be that way with us. But that's the way it is in churches today. Now, one of our contact ministers in uh, uh, up in Idaho, part of the uh, uh, his church at Cottonwood, uh, asked me to talk about the mark of the beast. Well, what's the mark of God? Do you have ministers who live by faith, or do they live by guaranteed entitlement? I mean, people talk about faith, but they actually hire men to go out neighbor to neighbor and force them to contribute to their personal welfare at the point of a gun. By the gun, you become subject to the gun, and they have chosen to force their neighbor to contribute to their welfare. They have been greedy for gain, and they have consented, and it has brought them back into the bondage of Egypt. And it is worse with them than it was in Egypt. Now that's the where you're at. Now what are you going to do about it? That's the key. You can do something about it. You can't change the course of government without becoming a tyrant. People want to go that way. They want those benefits. They want those entitlements. They want those social security systems that bankrupt a nation. They want a military-industrial complex. Okay, some of you say, oh, we don't want that. But you want a democracy where you get to try to force your neighbor to do things your way. Kingdom says, you can do things your way. I'm going to do things my way. And if we can come together in agreement and do things in the same path, great. If we can't, have a nice day. You can say the same to me. That's equality. That's as far as equality goes. I can't exercise authority over you. You can't exercise authority over me. That's the way it works. Kingdom of Heaven is about cooperation, not compliance. Well, in one sense, it is compliance. and compliance with Christ, which allows you to choose. and allows me to choose. And this is the way the kingdom goes. So what is the mark of God? Faith. Faith. That's the mark of God. Believing in his ways of liberty and choice and righteousness. Not living by entitlements. Not living by forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Not by coveting your neighbor's goods. That's the mark of God. Now, what do you end up with if you do not have the mark of God? The mark of the beast. The beast goes about and devours who he will. And you say, give me a piece of that pie. Give me a chunk of the meat that you have gathered. Give me the drops of blood from your table that I may be nourished by your welfare. He is devouring your neighbor so that he may feed you. And you think that's okay. You have the mark of the beast. 
Now, will you repent? Will you seek the ways of the kingdom? Will you set the table of the Lord? Will you turn around and be baptized in the grace and kingdom of Christ? You've already been baptized in the kingdom of the world, but Christ's kingdom is not a part of that world. It is separate. But almost every minister out there claiming to be a minister of God is a part of that world. Now, the question is, where is their heart? Will they receive the gospel of the kingdom in their mind? Will they act upon that gospel? Will they turn around the ways that they have been taught and seek the ways that Christ has taught from the beginning, that Moses has taught, that Abraham has taught? Not to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Not to bind people up into corporate states where they have no more choice and they've become nothing more than human resources, merchandise, to be traded one for the other. So how do you do this? How do you go back to the kingdom? How does that operate? How does that work? It works because you turn around and seek others that are willing to turn around and go that way. Now, eight years ago, we began, or even farther ago than that, uh, back in, uh, well, 30 years ago, we started this road. <laughs> But we began to question what is the answer. We knew what the problem was. People are making covenants. They are applying and praying to men who think they are God, who exercise authority one over the other. They're praying to them for their daily bread, for their welfare, for their protection. They're not praying to God. They're praying to them. They go to churches to justify them in their day-to-day lives. But the reality is they're praying for their daily bread to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. Men who say they are the fathers of a nation. Who's your daddy? Who are you going to pray to? We need to go back the other way. So what we did about seven, eight years ago is we started putting together, according to the research that we had done on how the early church was operating, a an outline and we've gone over it in previous shows the guidelines uh, of how the church is to operate same way that the stone altars of Abraham operated same way that the Levites were to operate that's the way it works that we're servants of God the ministers are to be servants of God they don't get paid unless they're doing a good job and it's up to you to figure out who's doing a good job Who's doing a righteous job? Who's leading you to freedom under God? And who's leading you away from that? Making you uh, a bondage of entitlement at the expense of your neighbor. Who's doing that? Who's doing what? Who is really ministering and preaching the kingdom of God? Making you strong. Now what could happen that you would suddenly not be able to survive the needs around you. We just had a meteorite pass over, actually a meteor, and I don't know if it was a meteorite or not. And it's a meteorite if it hits the ground, and it's a meteor if it's still in the air. And it may have blown up before it hit. And some people are debating whether it's even a meteor. It could have been a meteor. I've seen fireballs like that that were definitely meteors passing through the upper atmosphere and then back out again. Some say it was 15 minutes long. Uh, the videos I've seen, it doesn't look like it could have been 15 minutes long. Uh, the videos certainly weren't 15 minutes long. Uh, but anyway, whatever it was, it suddenly came, it exploded, it's gone. Someone uh, said, it, well, it was no comet. Well, it was no comet. If it was a comet, everybody in Wisconsin would be dead. Uh, but it was something that came quickly and had its effect and stopped. Life can change in an instant. Earthquakes instant uh this country could be plumbed into uh, plummaged into famine overnight overnight and our excessive dependence upon technology our excessive dependence upon uh this system is misplaced faith look at what happened when the hurricane hit down in new orleans the government actually hindered rescue operations. We need to find a better way 
and Christ was that way, and Christ laid out and appointed ministers to facilitate that way, and right away in Acts, you see the apostles acting as FEMA, Faith Emergency Management Auxiliary, helping out people during a, during a shortage of food and supplies and a breakdown in the economy. The church is ill-prepared to do that now, completely ill-prepared to do that. They say, oh, well, let's just go to church and sing and pray. And let the government supply all the benefits. That's not the way it was. That's not, there was vast systems of welfare at the time of Christ. But they didn't say, oh, let's all go pray and let the government take care of those people who are in need. And they were doing it. And Paul was making tents because tens of thousands of Christians were being displaced. Even he was displaced. Remember Claudius? Where did all the Jews? Well, Christians were considered Jews out of Rome. Where'd they go? They didn't. They needed tents. They needed, the first time you see a disaster, earthquake, whatever it is, people need tents. They need shelter from the elements. Right away. They're doing it down in Haiti. Right away. So we're making tents. Paul's making tents. Yes, he was paid for those tents. And then that made it so he didn't have to be a burden on the people. But he was also ministering, appointing elders. He didn't make them elders. He appointed men who were elders to do what? To do the things that you need to do in government. To help the needy. To coordinate the efforts of health, education, and welfare. Of federal, not federal, but faith emergency management auxiliary. So that nobody goes without. Nobody starves. Everybody is taken care of. Rations are short. They have to be doled out accordingly. Christians did well. The union and discipline of the Christians was so extreme that they were referred to as a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire. The United States federal democracy is not going to return to the republic any more than the federal indirect democracy of the Caesars returned to the republic. They aren't going back to the republic. They don't want to go back, and you can't force them back. You can turn around. You can gather together with other people that want to go the ways of Christ. And that's what we're trying to show you. The guidelines lay that out legally and lawfully according to what a church can do exactly the way Moses was doing in Egypt and in uh, the wilderness and in what became known as Israel as a place. Israel is not a place. It's the place where God prevails, and God prevails in the hearts of men, and when those men gather in a place, that's called Israel. Now, other people call something else Israel, but that's a corporate government, full of usury, full of bondage, worse than the bondage. The people in Israel over there are worse than the bondage of Egypt. They got, like, heavy progressive income tax. In Egypt, it's still 20%. The fur Jews aren't allowed to be in Egypt. At least they were kicked out at one time. They may be allowed back in there now, but under, uh, what was it, Nehru, they were kicked out. What are we, we trying to do here? We're showing people how they can come together and become that government of God. We can't make them do it. They have to choose. They have to take the steps. They have to follow the guidelines that we lay down, or they're not following the guidelines that we lay down. So we can create uh, entities that can interact with the world but not be of the world. And I won't go into the details of how that works exactly. It's in the book, like Free Church Report, which you can get a copy of if you join the network and pick a contact minister. They can send you a copy for free, you know, PDF download. You can purchase it if you want, but we're not in a commercial business here, but I don't have the resources to send you free books and pamphlets. You need to see that you have, it is your responsibility to seek the kingdom. It is not our responsibility to hand it to you. Like I said before, they say, if you build it, they will come. If we build it, don't bother coming. 
We build it together or you're out. Who's virgin? You have to apply yourself. You have to seek. The way is narrow. You have to travel it yourself. You have to learn the skills of a free government. What are those skills? Forgiveness. You have to be able to forgive people like that instantly. You have to be giving. You have to be willing to give your time and energy to other people. You have to be slow to anger, slow to judgment, long-suffering. All these things, these virtues that Christ talks about, if you don't have those, forget it. Go back to the benefactors who exercise authority. Be a good slave and be happy. Because that's a, that's a, I, we can't do anything. If you're not going to put on the character of Christ, sorry, I can't help you. That's all I have to offer. So if you form a His Church congregation, we have guidelines, very simple guidelines. Why are they have records? Same exact reason that Moses said to pound stakes in the corner of your property. To make a record. Why were the epistles sent? To make a record. This is Timothy. This is, these are letters of credence from a government saying this is why appoint, why appoint elders to positions to do jobs. Because jobs needed to get done. That's the way it works. It's not a corporation. The body of Christ is not a corporation in the worldly sense. It's a spiritual corporation. Because if you're incorporating, you're giving up some of your rights to somebody else. That's why, you know, you join Social Security. Hey, you're going to get wonderful benefits. It's a voluntary act. And in higher liberty, I'm working on some chapters uh, that will, you know, shake some people's foundation. Where the government says the church is another realm. The government says the church is another realm. Now... Your 501, I shouldn't say this. This is a terrible misnomer. People say, oh, you don't want to be a 501c3 church. You do not want to be under 501c3 through the Title 26 of the IRS Code. But all churches are 501c3 as far as what they are considered to be. Being under 501c3 and being considered 501c3 are two different things. One is strictly regulated, the other one is not. Churches do not have to file 1023. All other organizations that wish to be under 501c3 do. If you do not file, you're not under 501c3, but you are considered 501c3. Big difference. Still, all churches are 501c3 from the point of view of the government. But the churches are Years ahead of the dominant media, FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net. Around the world and on satellite, gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% and is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. 
We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. to Keys of the King. So we were talking a little bit about Mark of the Beast in a roundabout sort of way. Uh, I'm a notorious rabbit trailer, uh, but rabbits always come around back again to their original location. They circle. And so the Mark of the Beast is when you don't live by faith. You get a mark. Now, will it be a digital chip? Well, there's probably going to be one, and many people uh, will probably get it, but that's not what the prophecy is really about. The, The prophecy is about spirit. Uh, we have a tremendous creative power in us that was built into us when we were made in the image of God. And so that if we we actually fulfill prophecy because of major choices that we make in a spiritual level, we choose not to live by faith, we will end up living by something less than faith, by the entitlement. That's, that's what created the entitlement program, is us. If they offered us an entitlement program like Social Security and said, hey, all you have to do is sign up, everybody will have to contribute, and that's what they call it, a contribution, our ministers will guarantee that you will get a share of what everybody is compelled to contribute. And, of course, all Christians would say, well, that sounds like coveting my neighbor's goods. That sounds like you are asking us to all have one person come and consent uh, for our personal gain. That's a violation of principles and precepts laid down in the Bible from Proverbs to Psalms. What should have been for your welfare has become a snare. Um, that is against the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. It's against Christ. Uh, who says that if you love me, you will keep my commandments and that you will not covet. Uh, it is, we have warned, been warned about this by Peter, who says to covetness that we will be made merchandise. And, of course, as we read the fine print, our ministers always go and read the fine print and inform us as to what you are really offering us. We realize that we will become subject to income tax and a portion of our labor will be extracted from us every year. We know that in Egypt, 20% was uh, uh, 
have uh, taken from us every year by the government to, in order to supply our welfare there. But we were told in the Bible over and over again never to return to the bondage of Egypt, and that is what you were offering us with Social Security. And so therefore, of course, as Christians, we cannot participate. And since this is supposed to be a Christian nation, Social Security would have dissipated and disappeared because nobody would have been participants in it but the slothful and lazy who should be under tribute. But everybody joined. Nobody was required to, but everybody joined because they did not know the gospel of the kingdom. They did not know the precepts upon precepts that God has taught us from the beginning because our bishops and our pastors and our reverends were already under strong delusion, full of vanity, that they were saved. They knew the gospel. They went to schools to be have their uh, vanity fed until it was overflowing. And they delivered the entire nation into bondage so that every man might have that number and that guarantee of security, safety, save you from things of this world. These welfare programs are a promise of salvation, a promise of daily bread. All you have to do is apply, pray beseech the gods of that government and they will guarantee your welfare but there is no guarantee in the kingdom of heaven because it's operating by faith what an original revolutionary idea to actually have a free government it requires that you operate by faith hope and charity that's what the bible is talking about and you're not doing it you're operating completely different. You're going another way. The way is narrow. Turn around. Turn around now before it's too late. Turn around now before you're out of oil. You foolish virgin. So we lay out the guidelines. The guidelines that we went over already, and you can go back in uh, previous uh, uh shows and, and see those uh, we'll have recordings eventually available too but uh, uh, you, you can get them on the station what you then have is administrative guidelines and the administrative guidelines are very uh, amazing they've actually functioned extremely well they're in the free church report you can go over them in detail there's of course a section that defines some of the terms uh, and we've honed that a little bit uh, because some people have trouble with the, the terms, and so we've explained it a little bit better in, in more recent copies. Uh, but it's exactly, pretty much exactly the same. Uh, there's a section two. Every commission uh, should uh, maintain books, records, or accounts uh, to record all monies and uh, church property received and dispersed in connection with the church practices and as a minimum practice every commission should undertake to maintain it. It goes on and explains some of those ways in which you could keep books. By doing this you're meeting the criteria of the IRS but you're also meeting <coughs> the criteria of Christ. When he says preach the kingdom the word there actually means to publish. And it's not just about publishing, you know, philosophical ideas. It's about making a record as to what you are doing. I'm making a record both for those internally to know, is this minister really taking the funds and making sure uh, that the funds get to where they're supposed to be? I mean, uh, Barnabas was given huge funds to make sure that huge numbers of people were taken care of during a major famine. You don't think there was some accounting of those funds? They just kept stuffing cash into his pocket and said, hey, just take off. You wear your, uh, we know you're a great guy. No, there was an accounting. 
and in the fragments that come back from that error show that you know Jewish historians a uh, number of them and we, we talk about this in higher liberty uh, clearly believe that the Dead Sea Scrolls were from communities that were specifically Christian in nature and if you look at uh, early Christian documents that we know uh, that come from Justin uh, and others in 150 AD what we see going on in the in the rules and disciplines of those groups definitely had a Christian nature to them that was unlike anything else you would find in Judaism at the time it was very Essene that's why a lot of people think they were Essene but the Essenes were a very Christian very uh, they were their philosophies their ideas their writings were very compatible with those of Christ ten times more compatible with Christ than any other Jewish group I was I mean the metaphors were even the same that you would see popping up in the scene literature so the if these guys were Christians which they very well appear to be and Jews Jewish historians are saying they were then we see them keeping records we see them keeping lots of records and they're keeping records because man's mind is frail it's, uh, we forget I mean the Bible tells us that we can deceive ourselves and forget oh what did we agree to oh well it's written down here you know where's that boundary stake you know oh the boundary oh I only have authority up to here because the stake is in the ground and I can see the stake it's a little over covered by brush but here we found the stake so you write it down to mark the corners of your responsibilities and that bars the outside world they come in and they say oh well we're going to oversee your church no you're not we have an overseer you can't come in here oh well, uh, well the, our laws say and they're written here that oh yeah well this is our law our laws say that we operate by faith open charity that's not the way you operate you can't be a part of kingdom we're in another realm again I said in higher liberty chapters coming if people would let me get them done instead of wasting my time going over what they should have known seven years ago <laughs> we could get it done it's very important that we write down and stick to those marks you can't move those boundaries around because you want to move them around there's somebody else on the other side of that boundary once you pound that stake in the ground it's in the ground it's marking what you can do and what you cannot do yeah it restricts you slightly having a bone <laughs> restricts you slightly but it gives you mobility too and that's the way the kingdom operates it's not a corporation of men where I give you rights over me it's a delegation of authority you have authority over this you have authority over that authority over these safeguards you have authority over this and then you have to walk together and make it work and that requires peace in your heart calmness a presence of mind focusing on what you've written down paying attention to the boundaries that's kingdom stuff now what are you looking for in a minister what are you looking for in congregations how do you recognize do these men really have faith I mean everybody says they have faith half the Christians say they're saved maybe more than half oh we're saved we believe in Jesus how do we know well by their fruits are they slow to anger are they patient are they long-suffering do they get mad at this guy one week and this guy the next week because if they do they're probably falling short of the kingdom and the character of Christ because Christ wasn't doing that. are they uh, quick to forgive or are they quick to judge are they doers do they do for themselves well Lots of people are doers, but do they tend to the responsibilities they say 
they will do. You see, when you say, I will do this, that becomes law for you because Christ said to make your yes is yes. So if you say, yes, I will keep records, then we should see records. If we don't see records, then we have the question, well, they say they would, but they didn't. If they say they're going to take care of this particular, uh, there's a problem. Something needs to be done about it. Someone says, oh, I'll, I'll take care of that right away. Okay. Very first thing we see Christ talking about out there doing miracles with the Roman centurion. And the Roman centurion says, you know, I, I too am a man of authority. If I say, go do this, I know it'll get done. Except we don't have an exercising authority over the people. We have a authority to speak, an authority to agree. And if you say, yeah, I agree to do this, now we should know it will be done. But if it's not done, that tells us something. That gives us a sign. Do I want that to be my minister? He never gets it done. He never does what he says he's going to do. He's full of flowery words, but he doesn't do what he says he's going to do. Is my is the people in my congregation, are there any backbiters? Do they go around and, and say things about other people that they, behind their back? I mean, that's what it is. You know, they're picking on people behind their back, but they don't say. And then if you hear them, and you don't take it to the individual they're talking about and say, is this true? And you play a part in that, too. You don't really want to be with those guys, either. Now, if they change, great. You forgive them instant. But if they want to do that, get away from them. You know, there's a whole list in the Bible, in, in the epistles. It goes down, you know, uh, gossipers and backbiters and liars. People who say, this is so. And then you find out, wait a minute. That isn't so. And you bring it to them. And they don't admit that they said that. You know, I deal a lot in emails. I love it uh, to some degree. And it has a tremendous disadvantage because you lose all inflection and feeling. But the reality is that the people, actually there's a record of what they say. And, and like our talk show, we can talk about some very serious matters. But we have a recording. And when people think, oh, well, he said this. And, well, wait a minute. Here's the recording. That's not what he said. You've twisted it. People who are constantly twisting what you say to something other than what you say, you know, rephrasing it and actually adding a new or different meaning. Uh, get away from that. That's not good. That's a bad sign. I mean, forgive them instantly. But be warned. These are the fruits of what they do. They switch. They have their own agenda, and it starts to pop up. You can't determine who you should be gathering with until you give it a try. And you have to give it a long try. You have to work at it a while because people are going to come with different abilities. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they've had a habit of being backbiters. They've had a habit of being gossipers. They've had a habit of not really tending to the details of truth. And so they, they always kind of twisted things. They're, they're in bondage. And our purpose is to free them, not simply gather with perfect people. If we're only going to gather with perfect people, we're going to be very lonely because I haven't found any at all. So we have to get together and test each other. And at first, you know, be a little gentle there because we may not be sharpening steel with steel. We may be you may be in a more pliable state. You know, you're getting off the rust and we, and, and uh, honing the uh, things. But time will grind away the useless steel and sharpen and fine-tune and hone those souls for the kingdom or they'll fall away. It will be their choice. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um... these guidelines that are laid out there and, and what we'd like to do is put together an entire course that explains them and we have to almost do that because so many people have signed on to them and don't even know what they say 
I'm I'm amazed. I mean, how many times that that's how everybody got into trouble with the mark of the beast to begin with. Nobody ever read the agreement. If you're signing something, you're agreeing to something. Uh, and you you assign any document with the government, you're agreeing to a volume of things because they're the ones who exercise authority. If you sign an agreement with us, it's just marking what we say we will do and what we won't do. If you don't do what you say you will do, then there's provisions in here to do something else. It's still ultimately dependent upon the purity of your own heart. And that's why it's called a burnt offering. It's given up entirely. But that's, that's casting your bread on the water, another precept, another way of saying it. And if you invest huge amounts of time into a project and the people all fail to do their part, you just lost that. That's all there is to it. If you give somebody a donation and they do well with it, great. If they don't do well with it, you've lost that. You're saying you're giving it to God and you're trusting this person will do a good job with it. And that's the way it should work. That's faith in action. And so you, but you have to have some sort of roadmap in order to do this. That's why, you know, I give you the analogy of the sheep walking shoulder to shoulder. So we have a network, and what we, we want, buddy, who's on this radio station, uh, radio pro, listening to the radio program, to join that network. Very important to join that network. To actually make contact with people in your local area. Uh, and and then build congregations of people that can help actually physically help you out in hard times. And you know, I would encourage everybody to stock up a little rice, a little wheat, uh, grist mill, uh, canned foods, dried foods, uh, water and water purifiers, uh, learn camping skills. Uh, uh, but most important, gather together with other people. You're going to need other people. Uh, they talked on the group, uh, the, on the contact ministers group, uh, somebody had saw the movie Defiance, people living in the woods during World War II and surviving the lessons they had to learn at the last minute. Many people died and were buried. It was a struggle. The more you do now, the less you have to do later. That's just the way it is. Uh, hard times are coming. They always come. Every generation patient. Looks like it's going to be really hard times for this one. <laughs> but uh, don't be afraid. Don't do this out of fear. Do it out of love for each other. Work together. Um, there's no guarantee. It's faith. And did Abraham have a guarantee? Only by an invisible God. Did Joshua have a guarantee? Though he may slay me, I shall serve him. Period. That's it. Done deal. And you need to gather it together in a way that allows every man to make those choices on a day-to-day -day basis, that you are bound only by love. The guidelines will not work unless you have all these other characteristics of Christ. The Eucharist of Christ, thanksgiving. The patience of Christ. The love of Christ. Following the ways of Christ are absolutely essential for the guidelines don't work. Because we're only pounding stakes in the ground. We're not building fences. We're not building walled-in camps. You can step past that stake anytime you want. You can ignore it if you want. But we'll make a record of it. Just as the stake itself is a record. The guidelines themselves are a record. They're not binding you. They're giving you the opportunity of keeping your word, of doing your word, of living your word. We have to be doers of the word of God, which includes doing what we say we will do. If people will not do what they say they will do, separate. Separate. That is your alternative. Don't try to send them to jail. Don't try to beat them up. Don't try to put 
you know, their arm behind their back and coerce them into doing what you want. Those are the ways of the beast. You'd be surprised at how many men think they are Christian and want to do that. Force their neighbor to do as they want it done. Not according to what they agreed to, but according to the way they want it done. And they actually want you to do it for them. They want you to carry them in the wrong direction, (laughs) away from what you have said your whole life. We need to do. We need to come together in the spirit of Christ, in the spirit of forgiveness, in the spirit of love, in the spirit of patience. If we cannot do that, we already have the mark of the beast in our hearts. And it will show up because we will... We will try to force people to do what we want them to do. And that's that's the mark of the beast. Now, how that manifests in the real world, yeah, it'll manifest with you got to have the card, you got to have the number, you got to have this, you got to sign that, you got to, and maybe someday we'll even get to the point of having the chip, but it doesn't really matter whether you get the chip or not. If the beast is living in your heart, he's living in your heart. If you're trying to force people to do what you think they ought to do coercively. And one of the, you know, I was going to look it up. I didn't uh, get to do it uh, yet. But it seems to me I came across a definition of terrorist as someone who uses government uh, to get their way. And you see it where somebody, you know, wants to force their neighbor to do something or cut his hedge and he calls up the local ordinance people and say the code inside of an iPhone and they get the code department to come down and force them to do what he wants the guy to do. He doesn't go to his neighbor and say, hey, I'd like to see You see, that's the problem. That's the terror. And people are actually doing that and saying they're Christian. That's the thing. And that's the problem. So anyway... You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.